I missed you last week. All right. How, how many of you actually watched us online last week? Anybody? Well, a few of you did. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, did I look as good online as I do in person? Okay, there you go. Thank you, man. Better online or better in person? Don't even answer that, all right? Hey, business meeting is coming up uh, towards the end of the month, and I want to prepare you for that. Uh, so we're going to do a little voting this morning, okay? All of you in favor of having a long stretch of beautiful, sunny weather, let that vote be known by saying yes. Oppose no, the yeses have it, all right? That is exactly how I want you to vote on Wednesday night here in a couple of weeks, all right? You got it? Okay, that wasn't as good, but all right. Glad you're here today. Welcome. Well, I am doing a uh, series I've entitled The Incredibles. This is sermon number four. We're looking at the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And today we're just going to read one verse from that passage, Hebrews 11, 32. And here's what the writer says. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of... And then he lists several men. The third on that list is a guy named Samson. So today we're going to look at Samson's life. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless your word today. I pray that it would speak to us uh, in a way that we could hear and understand. I pray, dear Lord, that you would challenge us to live for you and to make some firm commitments and keep our commitments that we make to you. Again, bless everyone listening to your word today. Uh, I pray a blessing on our church, on our membership, and on everyone who is here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Samson was quite a character, all right? In fact, he had the potential to actually be a superstar for God. Uh, in Judges chapter 13, verse 24, it says, A woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. And he grew, and the Lord blessed him. Right from birth, Samson was a special child. In fact, he was a, a miracle baby. Samson had everything going for him. He had good looks. He had a godly family. He had God's blessing on his life. He had supernatural strength. He had beautiful, long, flowing hair. Hmm. He was voted in his high school class most likely to succeed. He had unlimited capabilities and unlimited possibilities. As a young man, Samson took a Nazarite vow, which was a special vow to completely dedicate himself wholly to God. But as he grew older, when he was later in years, late teenage years, he rebelled. He became pretty radical. He went his own way. He did his own thing. He eventually lost his strength. In fact, he blew it. He wasted his life. He lost everything. And he became a broken man. It really is a sad commentary because he was his own worst enemy. And, and what I see happening to Samson in the book of Judges is absolutely tragic. And friend, I don't want that to happen to you. So today we're going to look at his life from the book of Judges and look at some things that we need to avoid. Specifically, two things that can weaken your life and lead to tragedy. These two things 
you need to avoid. Number one, self-indulgence. Because self-indulgence can weaken your life. And what I'm talking about is simply a lack of self-control. I'm talking about undisciplined living. I'm talking about not being disciplined in your personal life. Anything that is left uncontrolled in your life will weaken you. It could be any number of things. It could be, for example, the way you spend money. It could be food or sex or alcohol. It could be your emotions. It could be the way you manage your time. Anything, and again, I mean anything that is left out of control will weaken your life. Now, most everybody has pet indulgences, things that we like to give into. It could be something as simple as chocolate. <laughs> laugh, come on, laugh, you know. It could be any number of things. All of us, somebody said something back there that was real funny. Share it with me after church, all right? All of us have our own little indulgence. It's no secret that Samson had several weaknesses, but probably the biggest weakness that Samson had had to do with women. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Somebody wrote and said he was the playboy of the Old Testament. In three chapters of the book of Judges, we find him with three different women. In fact, it is a pathetic cycle in his life, and he never learned his lesson. He kept falling into one trap after another. In fact, I'm just going to jump into one of these traps in Judges chapter 14. Listen to this account of his life. It says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there no women among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. She's the one I want. She brings pleasure to my life. So, Daddy, go get her for me. Really, that's the way Samson lived his life, though. Self-indulgence. It didn't really matter what it was. All he considered was his own pleasure. So he said, she pleases me. And then the Bible adds the word well. <laughs> yeah. However you want to interpret that. She's the one. She pleases me. Get her. It didn't matter that God had already said, don't marry an unbeliever. It didn't matter that he had made a commitment to God that he would not enter into any kind of relationship like this. It didn't matter that his parents warned him, you're only looking for trouble if you go there. No, he just said, she pleases me. He was self-indulgent. I've got to have her. Get her for me. You know, our typical excuse for our self-indulgence, no matter what it is, is this attitude. We, we convince ourselves by saying, you know, for me, it's really, it's not a big deal. It's just a little thing. I may only do it just this one time. It's not going to hurt. Satan's favorite rationalization for us is, it's just a small thing. 
It's just a little thing. The fact is this, though. Small things can have an enormous impact in our life. Let's say you're going to take a, a, a cruise trip, a, a ship a trip on a cruise ship. And, and so you, you get on the uh, cruise ship there at the port, and, and the boat pulls out, and it goes out into the ocean, and, it, and you're not very far out, maybe 100 yards, and, and the captain of the ship comes over the loudspeaker, and he says, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I, I didn't want to upset you, so I've waited till now to, to tell you this, but this boat has a small leak. Now, don't worry, folks, because there's only one leak, and it's not very big. It's just a, a little leak, and it's no big deal, so we're going to go ahead and continue the trip. Now, if you are smart, you're going to be yelling up to the captain, Hey, would you mind turning this boat around and getting me back to port? You know? I don't want to be on a sinking ship, because as you know, a little leak can sink a ship. Just like a big one can. I mean, when you've got a leak in a ship, a leak is a leak. Whether it's big or little, it doesn't matter what size it is. Then the only question becomes timing. When's it going to happen? It's going to sink the ship if you don't feel the leak. So, question to you is this. How do you handle those little things in your life? Those little indulgences? Samson ignored it. Let me tell you, it's just a matter of time. If you don't sure those things up, the leak will become bigger. Galatians chapter 6 says this out of the Living Bible Translation, Do not be misled. Remember that you cannot ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop that he sows. If he sows to please his own desires, he will be planting seeds of evil and will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. The application is it, it doesn't really make any difference what area of your life is out of control. It could be time. It could be money. It could be food or sex or anything. It doesn't matter. The inevitable thing is it's going to sink your life. If you don't take care of it, and if you don't sure it up, if you don't fix it, it will inevitably weaken you. So what's the first lesson out of Samson's life? I think the first lesson we learned this morning is this. Strong people discipline their desires. They just don't let it all hang out. They don't just say, well, it's only a little thing. It really doesn't matter. I can have just this one area of indulgence in my life. Everything else in my life is in order. I'll just have this one little pet sin. No! <laughs> Listen to me, church. No, you can't live life that way. That one little pet sin will keep working in your life until it ultimately destroys you. Strong people say no. Strong people discipline their desires. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, I'm not going to allow anything to master me. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to let anything or anyone else control me. The only one who can control me, he said, is God. He's number one in my life. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Anyone who lacks self-control is like a city 
whose walls are broken down. So the Bible says that a person who has no control in his life and is undisciplined in his life is defenseless, just like a city with walls broken down. What we're going to find out is that Samson's strength was sapped away. It was drained away. He became weakened by self-indulgence. Second thing you need to avoid is compromise. Because compromise can weaken your life. Samson's strength was a gift from God. There's, there's no doubt about that. It came as a result of a commitment that first his parents made and then Samson made as a young man. I'm going to go back to Judges 13. Listen to this, verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So Samson took this Nazarite vow, which included, amongst other things, no alcohol at all. Teetotaler, no alcohol. Number two, he would not eat anything that was unclean. He wouldn't even touch it. And then number three, he made a vow to never cut his hair. Now some people think his hair is where his strength came from. Not really. His strength came from that commitment, that vow he made to God. His hair, not cutting his hair, was to remind him, Samson, you're different. Samson, you're totally dedicated to God. His problem was he totally forgot his vows, <laughs> all three of them. He sold out. He compromised. He gave in and he broke his vows. The biggest mistake in Samson's life is that he refused to take himself seriously and he refused to take God seriously. Let me tell you something, folks. When that happens... It weakens your life. When I was a kid, I was uh, fascinated with Samson. I love this story. I guess a couple of reasons why. I was, I was, a, a, I was pretty much a wimp when I was a little kid. I, I went through a growth spurt later in life and became the he-man that I am today. But back in the day when I was a little kid, I was just, I was a weakling. I was a shrimp. And Samson fascinated me because he was so strong, and that's the way I wanted to be. I think the reason I like him is pretty obvious. He had long hair, and uh, I wanted to have long hair. In fact, I remember talking to my dad about that one day. Uh, Samson had long hair. Why can't I have long hair? You ain't Samson, son, you know, that old thing. But eventually I won out, and I did have long hair. I mean, when I was in high school, I, I was a hippie. I looked like a hippie at least. And uh, you're asking what happened to it. Well, <laughs> Lord, I wish I knew what happened to it. But anyway. As cool as I thought Samson was when I was a kid, later in life I realized, man, he, he was nothing but a rebel. Really, if you read about his life and you read Bible commentators on him, every one of them will say he was reckless, he was a rebel, everything to Samson was just a big game. He was the playboy of the Old Testament. 
It was all about having a good time for him. He was completely irresponsible and he toyed with temptation. His life's motto was, how close can I get to the fire without getting burned? How close can I get to the edge without falling off? And that's the way he lived his life. You see it throughout the pages of Judges. But but you see it at its climax in his relationship with one particular woman, Delilah. And I like to say it like that, don't you? Delilah. It's a fun name to say. Let's say it together. Delilah. Judges chapter 16. Why do I say it like that? Well, it's a a story that happened in our family's life. Uh, We still lived in Plano. Whitney was probably five years old. Callie was not yet born, but she was in her mother's womb. We were driving down the interstate, and Angie had a a notepad making a list of names that we would eventually uh, name this daughter right here, all right? Names that we could call Callie. And so she she had this long list going, and, and we were saying these names out loud, and Whitney's in the back seat about five years old, and all of a sudden, a light went on in Whitney's head, and she leaned forward, and she said, I got it! Delilah! Let's name her Delilah! And we, we gasped at first, and then we laughed. And I said, Whitney, you may love that name, but we're not going to name your sister Delilah. Callie, are you thankful that we didn't name you Delilah? There you go. Good girl. Judges chapter 16 is this famous barbershop episode in Samson's life. He did have a weakness for women. Three different women in three different chapters. He married this Philistine woman by the name of Delilah. The Philistines came to her and said, Hey, Delilah, if you'll find out the strength of your husband, we'll pay you a large sum of money, probably in excess of $25,000. And she said, because she was a loving, committed, true-hearted wife, Give me the money. I'll betray that guy. Here's a, I'm going to read part of the story because it, it's just worth reading. <laughs> Verse 4, chapter 16 Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Her name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him to find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver." So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, Well, if you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait. Staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used... Then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them. 
and said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms just like they were a thread. Now, let me do a timeout right here. This is something, isn't it? You know, you would, you would think Samson would start catching on. Wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you be a little suspicious if your wife kept asking you the secret of your strength and then every night you woke up and there were strange men in the bedroom? I mean, I, th- I think you'd guess, hey, something's going on here. Somebody said Samson was all brawn and no brain. Others said his elevator didn't go all the way to the top. I really don't think that was the case. You know what I think? I think to Samson it was all just a big game. He knew what was happening to him. He knew the Philistines wanted him. He knew his wife had betrayed him. But it didn't matter to him because he was Samson and he could handle it. But Samson kept compromising a little at a time. The next time he says, well, if you just weave my hair together into seven braids. He's getting closer to the actual truth, is he not? It did have something to do with He's playing with fire, but he didn't take it seriously. He was careless. Finally, she says to him, this is the third time you've made a fool of me. You haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And I can imagine the crocodile tears flowing down Delilah's cheeks. Somebody said a man is never weaker than when a woman is telling him how strong he is. And I'm sure she was turning it on. Verse 16 says, And with such nagging. <laughs> you got to love that. I love that translation. Other translations say she pestered him. I like the word nagging. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day. The New King James Version goes on to say, So that his soul was vexed to death. He couldn't take it anymore. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Boy, I threw up a, a ball there for you to hit a home run, but you're afraid to swing, aren't you guys? Huh? I mean, yeah, y'all are pretty smart. I mean, she kept on and kept on and kept on. So the verse says, he told her everything. And that's that. See, the problem in Samson's life was he compromised once too often. His lifestyle had been weakening for years. This haircut episode is just the final straw. It didn't happen overnight. Nor does it happen to you just overnight. It happens over a process of time when your life continually weakens His entire lifestyle was robbing him of the very strength that God had given to him. It was tragic what happened. Verse 19, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And so his strength left him. Then she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. 
Guys, let me tell you, that is one of the most tragic statements in all of the Bible. He did not know that the Lord had left him. He was unaware of what was happening in his life. He didn't understand what was going on, how his lifestyle was perpetually weakening him little by little. It was a gradual process. He assumed he would always be that strong. But he had given in one too many times. You know, one of the lessons this teaches us is that nobody ever plans on being a failure, do they? Do you plan on messing up your life? Really, do you plan on being a failure? Nobody ever says, you know what, I plan on being an alcoholic. You don't plan on that. It, it just happens little by little. Nobody says, you know what, I'm going to be a drug addict. No, it happens little by little. Someone says, I never intended to destroy my marriage. No, you didn't. But it all started with that one look that you should have never taken or that one word spoken that you should have never spoken and on and on until it turns into a full-blown affair. Listen to me, church. The downward drift happens a little bit at a time. And it builds and builds until you wake up one morning to the rude awakening. And all of a sudden you say, what's happened in my life? Where's God? What's happened? You left God a long time ago because you failed to take Him seriously. So what's the second lesson we learned from Samson's life? Lesson number two is this. Strong people keep their commitments. People who are spiritually strong keep their commitments. They protect them. They guard them. They're diligent. They're not careless. They're serious about their relationship with the Lord. And they're serious about the commitments that they've made to God. There's an old saying that you've probably heard before. A chain is as strong, only as strong as its Weakest link. And you know that's true. Let me make another statement. Your life is only as strong as your weakest commitment. If you have no commitments, you have no strength. People who are the strongest are people who have commitments that they not only, listen to me, they not only live by, they're willing to die for. So what are you committed to? Think about that. What are you really committed to? That's where your strength comes from. Are you committed to the Lord? I mean, is your life totally sold out to obedience to Jesus Christ? Do you live for Him? Are you willing to die for Him? Are you committed to the Lord? Let's talk about some other commitments you need to make. What about your church? Are you committed to your church? And I'm saying this to the people who are members of Kavanaugh Church. Are you committed to your church? In the good times and bad times. No matter what else is happening and going on or how changes occur, are you committed to your church? What about your family? Are you committed to your family? Let me tell you, there's good times and bad times in family life, isn't there? There's ups and downs, highs and lows. 
Daddies, let me tell you something. Your kids need to know that you're committed to them. That you're going to be there. That you're not going to leave. Your spouse needs to know that about you. Are you committed? What are you committed to? Samson was only committed to one thing. Himself. (laughs) His attitude was, I'm going to do what I want to do. When I want to do it. Whenever I feel like doing it, if I see it, I'll take it. If it feels good, I'll do it. His lifestyle was one of selfishness and immaturity. He had no commitments and he was totally undisciplined. He had some weak links in his life. I don't know. What is that one area of your life that is weak? Your chain is not going to be any stronger than that one weak link. Well, what are the results? Let me tell you, they're tragic. They're tragic. Judges 16, 21, then the Philistines seized him. They gorged out his eyes. They took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison. Man, that's bad. Someone has said that sin is binding, blinding, and grinding. Well, it was for Samson. The champion of Israel is reduced to a clown. And everyone's making fun of him. They put out his eyes. He lost everything. He lost his power, his potential. He lost his freedom, his influence. He lost it all. You think, how in the world could something like this happen? It's simple. He wasn't serious about the small things in his life. And he did not keep his commitments. There's a warning here, isn't there, church? No doubt there's a warning. And you're pretty depressed at this point, aren't you? I mean, this has been, you know, gloom and doom, hasn't it? Really, hadn't it? It's sad. I've got some good news for you, though. You ready? Cheer up. God never gave up on Samson. God gave Samson a second chance. Isn't that great? Verse 22 says, But the hair on his head began to grow. Now again, his hair didn't give him the strength. His commitment gave him the strength. But you know what? His hair represented that commitment. Samson in that prison, being blinded and bound and strapped to a grinding mill, doing the work of an ox, had a whole lot of time to think. Because that's all he was doing is going around in a circle, grinding meal. That's all he could do is think and reflect on his life. I'm I'm thinking that this is the first time Samson really ever did this. Had a deep thought. Reflected on everything going on in his life. What God had done in his life. The great achievements that God allowed him to have. And now this great tragedy. The good news is... God gives people second chances. I guess I'm gonna have, isn't that great? I, to me, it's amazing that God would do that because you know what? We're not like that, really. We don't like it when other people get second chances, do we? We like to see them get what's coming to them, don't we? And be honest, don't we? 
And sometimes it's even aggravating when God gives people a second chance until it comes to us. I don't know, Samson did some reflecting. He prayed. He repented. He got things right with God. He, he made something that I, I talk about here quite often. He made a rededication or a recommitment of his life to God. He started over again. And, and God began to build that strength back into his life so that same, Samson's greatest victory really happened on the last day of his life. It says they took Samson into this pagan temple so that they could have a party and make fun of him. A little lad was leading him in because he couldn't see. His eyes had been gouged out. And so he spoke to the lad and said, Take me to the two pillars that are holding up this building. And the little boy took Samson to those pillars and he reached out his hands and he felt the pillars. And the Bible says he mustered all the strength that he could and he prayed a simple prayer to the Lord. Lord, just in my last effort, let us avenge our enemies. And so he began to push and strain with every ounce of muscle and he pushed those two pillars out and the ceiling collapsed. And it killed 3,000 uncircumcised Philistines. The greatest victory of his life. Now, I'm telling you, there, is, there really is something comforting about the life of Samson. Samson is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. That's why we're looking at him. We've been looking at several weeks of the heroes of faith. And you know what? You would expect to find people like Abraham and Noah and Moses there. People we've already looked at. But here is a guy who makes it into God's hall of fame who was an absolute failure in life until the last day of his life. Boy, it's comforting to me. It says to me that no matter how much I've blown it in the past, no matter what kind of a mess I've made of my life up to this point, God said, you know what, son, today I'm going to give you a second chance. Today I'm going to let you start over. Church, that is good news. Samson, on the last day of his life, did an act of faith that God said, you know what, this is worthy for me to put this guy into the hall of fame. And so he's in there with people like David and Joseph and Abraham and Moses. So it brings me to this. It really doesn't matter what has happened in your life in the past. I mean, right now at this moment, that, that really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you've blown it. Because there are any number of ways that we can mess up our life. And believe you me, with as many people as we have in this room, we've used just about every one of them. Haven't we? Morally, you've messed up your life and you're haunted by those memories. Maybe you've made a mess of your life financially or physically. Maybe you've gotten addicted to something. Maybe you've had a broken marriage or two. You, you think, how could God use me? Let me tell you something, church. If God can use somebody like Samson, He can use somebody like you. But it's got to start in your heart. And you've got to stop playing games with God. Okay? Because this isn't just a game. This is serious stuff. The eternal destiny of your soul is in the balance. 
So listen, wake up. Let's make some commitments today we're willing to live by and die for. If you've never committed your heart to Jesus Christ, today's the day to do that. You can be forgiven of all your sins. You can be transformed. You can be turned into the person God originally made you to be. Maybe you're here this morning and you've received Christ as your Savior, but you're away from Him. You, you've, you've rebelled. You, you've weakened your life. You've allowed some things to come in that, that's weakened your life and your faith. Well, today is the day to come back home. Recommit your heart to Jesus. Rededicate your life to Him. And let's start over. Others of you are here and, you, man, you just need to come and pray. You know that. You need to come and pray. Things are eating at you. Things are getting to you. Bring them to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I know.